to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. No matter how ugly the world sees me, I always see myself as beautiful. Even on my lowest days, I still look in the mirror and think, wow, I'm hot. Welcome to the deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is the deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognize their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Gia is an autosexual. They are romantically and sexually attracted to themselves. Let that sink in. Today we're going to explore this sexual identity, which I admit I'd never heard of myself, and discuss how it affects your relationships, your mental health, and self-love. Gia, thank you so much for being with us on The Deep today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it so much. You have no idea. Oh, it's such a good thing to be on a podcast like yours. Can you tell me, what is an autosexual? An autosexual is a person who is sexually attracted to themselves. It often overlaps with autoromanticism, which is being romantically attracted to yourself, but they're ultimately different experiences. Would you be able to explain the difference between autosexuality and autoromanticism and if you identify with just one or both? Well, autosexuality is the sexual attraction to yourself. Being sexually attracted to yourself is the main feature of autosexuality. Being attracted to yourself and indulging in your attraction to yourself can take many forms, but all of it is linked by the sexual attraction to the self. Mm. Autoromanticism is emotional, it's romantic. Like autosexuality is when you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, damn, I look good. Autoromanticism is when I am thinking about how lovely I am and I want to write myself a poem. Do you identify with both? Absolutely, yes. I am autosexual and autoromantic. Because it feels like... This could be confused with people thinking, well, I like to 
touch my body or I like to masturbate, then I must be autosexual or I think I'm beautiful or I think I'm kind or I think I'm smart and, and I love that about myself. How do they differentiate between, okay, that's not being autosexual or autoromantic? Well, everyone masturbates. Well, not everyone. A lot of people masturbate, but not everyone masturbates while thinking of themselves. <sighs> like having the mental image of themselves in their head. Like, I have wet dreams about myself. Most people don't have that. In your dreams, are you having sex with yourself? Like, like as in, like, um, an imaginary version of you? It's like another version of me, like a clone. But we're yes. perfectly in sync, and I'm, like, doing things to myself. I've had quite a few of those dreams. So when... Did you realize that you were just sexually attracted to yourself and not others? And can you ever feel sexual attraction to others? I am sexually attracted to others, too. I'm just also very, very attracted to myself. Um, the first time I looked at myself in the mirror and realized I was, like, attracted to what I saw was when I was about seven. I didn't feel arousal, but, like, I was very drawn to the image of myself after I'd gotten out of the shower and looked at myself in the mirror. And... I noticed that that's when I noticed, hmm, I, I'm drawn to how I look. And then, like, as I got older, I would do things and, like, I didn't hear my peers talking about them. Like, one thing I've always done, like, since before I even got my period when I was 12 is I always smelled my own underwear. Like, mm. I would, like, put, like, my face up to it and, like, smell under my own, my own underwear, you know? And I remember never being like, hmm, my peers don't really talk about that. And then once I got my period, I realized I didn't like to do it when I got my period. And that was like a distinction. Just things like that. Like, I never heard about people thinking about themselves when they masturbate. Like, I never heard about any of my peers doing that. And as I got older, you know, I, I, I didn't really recognize what it was officially until I was in college. And I started telling people, oh, I'm in a relationship with myself. And then shortly after that, I wound up finding out what autosexuality is by Googling relationship articles and stuff and learning about different sexuality phrases. And when I learned what that was, I was like, wow, that's me. Okay. So what are some other things that you had grown up with? You've, you've seen yourself in the mirror. You, um, have had wet dreams. You smell your underpants. What are other things that make you go, okay, I'm different here. This is not just masturbation. This is not just me loving my body. This is me being, feeling erotic towards myself. Hmm. There's like so many like examples, like it's, it's more than just the way that I interact with my body in my everyday life. It's like moments of passion that really speak to me. Like sometimes I'll just be laying in bed naked and I'll just start embracing myself. Like, I like to touch my skin in certain ways, and it's very sensual. I know it doesn't sound like much, but it's something I've always done. And, like, I still do it today. Like, I'll, like, touch my arms and, like, stroke my belly and, like... And it's, like... It's not always sexual, but it can be. It's mostly, like... It's not always like that, though. It's more sensual. See, when I've heard of other people doing it, they don't get, like aroused by themselves they mostly are thinking about someone else when I've heard of people doing stuff like that you know it's really fascinating because if you bring in the element of 
auto romanticism. How do you have space for anybody else or you don't need that? You don't need anybody else. I actually have two partners right now and I've been talking to a third person who's, you know, picked my fancy. But um, I don't find that loving myself and being attracted to myself takes away my attraction for other people. I'm just really attracted to myself mm-hmm. and I'm also attracted to other people, which is why I'm polyamorous. Is that then interesting for your partners to be with somebody that is autosexual? Like is that does that open a different kind of Pandora's box sexually with your partners? Well, I've been very, very lucky that all, all the lovers I've been with have been accepting of it. And the only people that have said negative or critical things were people I weren't, wasn't very close to. So there wasn't a lot on the line if they did reject me. You know, um, the people I've been closest to have always really embraced it and thought it was a good thing. I've even had a few tell me, I understand, like, why you're autosexual. Like, I can see why you're sexually attracted to yourself. So how does that work in your intimate relationships then if you have a partner? Do you just bring in your autosexuality into the mix or is that a separate relationship that you like to have just solo? I like it when I can like express myself openly in a relationship. So I wind up telling them very early on that that's what I'm into. Besides, if I don't tell them a quick Google search will of my name mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um I find that they're very willing to like engage with my autosexuality and like basically even like come up with new ways of engaging it. Like aside from setting up mirrors, sometimes they'll like, you know, point out girls that look like me online, like models and stuff, or like they'll come up with like a fantasy like that involves autosexuality or like, you know, maybe like a clone version of me. And by the way, I'm not talking about my current partners, like specifically, I'm talking about other people I've dated too, who have been open and receptive to me being autosexual. Because honestly, if you can't be yourself in a relationship, then what's the point? Right. I think a lot of people are afraid that being in a relationship with an autosexual means they won't focus on you at all, or that will be too selfish to like nurture a relationship, but that's definitely not true. There are autosexuals who only want to be with themselves, but I'm not personally one of them. It's interesting because I would think that if someone was romantically involved with themselves or sexually involved with themselves, would I be enough? You know, if that is a primary relationship that you've had your whole life, how would that person be able to beat that. Do you know what I mean? Like it would be quite hard to be the hero in that relationship. See, the thing is I do love me, but I am, I don't encompass everything that I love. The the world exists beyond me. And there are many, many lovely people out there, many of whom I would love to date and be with. And, you know, diversity is the spice of life. I, as much as I love my relationship with myself and it's gotten me through a lot and it deepens honestly with each passing day, I still really do appreciate my relationships with other people, both platonic, sexual, romantic, and 
all types of relationships I have. You said that you're polyamorous. Do you think that is almost like an extension of the autosexuality? Because if you weren't just with yourself and being with someone else, even if you didn't have two partners, say you had one, would that still feel like you're in relationship with two? Hmm. Do you think the autosexuality makes it easier to be polyamorous? Well, I found that the more I indulge my autosexuality, the more it supports my mental health. So in that regard, yes, it makes me more capable of handling polyamory because it keeps me in a better mental state. But also, um, I don't feel like my autosexuality is an extension of my polyamory necessarily because the people I date are often different from me, quite different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like if it were really, like, really all about me, I'd be dating people who only looked like me and acted like me. But um, I do think being in this relationship with myself, like affects all of my relationships, not just my polyamorous ones. Because when I keep my, this, my relationship with myself engaged and I fulfill it, I feel more whole and that naturally nurtures the rest of my relationships because I'm able to do better in them and do better for them. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So let's move to the auto-romanticism, because I feel like I understand the autosexuality. You have a romantic relationship with yourself. Does that include like taking yourself out on dates, you know, love letters, like you said, writing poems? Um, how does that appear? Yes, it includes all of that. I admit I haven't been on a date in a while because I've been depressed but, you know, I do do them. Being in relationship, do you talk to yourself in your head or do you talk to yourself out loud? Oh, I talk to myself out loud all the time, but it's not like I think there's another person there. No, but are you like, you are so beautiful, you are so kind, I love how you did this today, you make me feel so happy. Is it like that? Actually, I do do affirmations kind of like that. They're a bit more structured, though. And I write them, I think them, and sometimes I speak them aloud so they'll manifest better. But, yeah, I do do affirmations like that. But I started doing it as like a psychological practice for well-being. Okay. And then realized it worked for autosexuality. <laughs> so if that, let's put the affirmations to the side because I do love an affirmation. What then does autoromanticism look like other than taking yourself out on dates and saying nice things? It's about the emotion. Like, you know when you look at another person that you are attracted to and you kind of feel butterflies in your stomach or in your heart? Like, you, you feel like you have a crush on someone. Like, you know, it's not necessarily even infatuation because that's, like, only in the beginning. But it's that deep pull towards the self. It's you feel that deep attraction 
that really like speaks to you and resonates with you, but towards the self. And honestly, I have moments where I feel infatuated with myself, like, like a classic crush. And I really like those moments. I call them honeymoon moments, but, um, yeah, other times, you know, I appreciate myself and I love myself, but like not every moment is characterized by unbridled passion. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Engaging with my relationship with myself is one of the things that, like, helps me feel better. And what I do is, like, honestly, just to, I just, like, I'll just, like, put on classical music and read romantic poetry and, like, light some candles and just create a romantic, soothing atmosphere. And that's, like, been my like, you know, self-love ritual for now. And I'll think about, like, you know, all my good qualities and how I'm a good person. And you got to understand, as someone who's very fat, the world is often very unkind to me. And, you know, the world doesn't like me, and it's very quick to let me know. And my autosexual relationship really helps me deal with that because I am attracted to myself. And I felt this attraction for myself for a very, very long time, and remembering that attraction to myself and indulging it and, you know, even just laying in bed and touching myself sensually, you know, really, like, invigorates me on every level. So you've mentioned mental health. Is that a state of mind when you aren't feeling love for yourself, or is that outside factors that are impacting you, not self-loathing factors? Well, I think like most people, I get moments where I don't like myself or I feel unlovable or, you know, I have moments of low self-esteem. I definitely feel that. And, you know, because I've been depressed, you know, I haven't been in a good state and it's easier to fall into that thinking, which is kind of why I've been doing affirmations and stuff like that to keep my thinking positive And it's been helping, you know, I can't say it does everything, but it helps. And, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I'm also depressed often because of external factors, because of oppression I face, because of people mistreating me, because of people being, you know, not nice to me. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. honestly, the fact that I'm attracted to myself is such a boon. It's, it's like I feel like I've been blessed because no matter how ugly the world sees me, I always see myself as beautiful. Even on my lowest days, I still look in the mirror and think, wow, I'm hot. It does. The thing is, people think that that would cure everything, but it doesn't. Thinking you're hot doesn't cure every mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Have you been able to connect with other autosexuals? Yes. Um, when I first started writing about autosexuality for Quail Bell magazine, there was a dearth of articles and accounts of autosexuality. But since then... Autosexuals have organized, and now there's a couple groups, and there's more ways to connect with other autosexuals now. It's great. And I really enjoy when I can talk to other people who feel the same way. It's always a very enlightening experience. I'm assuming that things differ between each individual and their autosexuality what are some of those things that you've learned about others? Do some people have no relationships with others apart from themselves? 
yes, there are autosexuals who only want to date themselves or be in a relationship with themselves. And while they might have close friends and family members or acquaintances, they don't get involved with those people sexually or romantically. Mm. They just want to date themselves. And like, hey, if that's how you want to feel, that's valid. I just, I noticed that people tend to talk about all of us autosexuals as selfish and like we don't care about anyone else and we're narcissistic, but we we really cherish the people in our lives just as much as other people do. Do you have better sex with yourself than you do with others? I enjoy them both equally. Is that ever a problem in your relationships? Honestly, no. People have even asked me, oh, do you have a problem with organizing your time between your partners and yourself? Like, do you ever find it hard to balance your needs as an autosexual with your other relationships needs? And honestly, no. The answer is no. Is there a hierarchy? No, I'm a relationship anarchist for the most part. Okay. And do those partners have the same belief system if they brought in other partners for themselves or is it all understood? Well, in my relationships, it's understood that non-monogamy is the norm and my partners are free to date whoever they want. If they both told me, oh, we each have three girlfriends tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. (laughs) So are you queer? Yes. Well, I'm, a, I'm attracted to me, and that's pretty queer. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if that would have been seen as queer or not, if you're attracted to self. I mean, technically my relationship with myself is a sapphic relationship. Can you explain that? A sapphic relationship is a, a relationship between two women or femmes. Okay. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? whether you're queer if you're in a relationship to yourself? Um, most of the autosexuals I've met have identified as some shade of queer, like in my experience anyway. And so then your polyamorous relationships, are they queer as well? Um, no. Well, I, they're queer because I'm in them, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm what makes them queer for the most part. Okay, but they could be a they, a she, a he? Um, no. Both my partners use he pronouns. I would date a person who is trans, though. Just, I definitely would date somebody who uses they pronouns or any anyone who's trans. Like, you know, that I'd be fine with that. I'm also non-binary. I'm gender fluid. Okay. So that would be then a conversation that you have with that autosexuality conversation piece up front. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's all kind of intertwined for you. Yeah, I have to have a lot of conversations with people when I start dating them. Do you try and do that early on? Yes. Well, I also try to be, like, open about who I am so they could just, like, figure a lot of things out just from following me. So are you meeting these people online? So do they know you prior to getting into relationships with you? Well, one partner I've been with since high school. So we've been together for like 15 years and the other partner I've been with for over two years, but he's a long distance partner and we haven't met yet. Okay. So this original partner, have they explored your autosexuality growth over the years if they've been with you since a teen? Yeah. Well, they've 
they've been one of the only people I've, he's been one of the only people I've told about, like, my autosexuality, so he saw me learn about it and become more open with it, and sometimes I talk to him about it. He's been very encouraging the whole time and supportive. And then did you bring in the polyamory to that relationship as well? Yeah, we started out as monogamous and then we became polyamorous in college. And was that your choice? Yeah, but um, he like found he really liked it too. Okay, so it's both ways. Yeah, oh yeah, no. Every one of my relationships is all non-monogamous. We, uh, they don't know one-sided rules. And do you feel like the autosexuality is something that can be fetishized? Um, I guess it could be. Have you found that online? I haven't encountered anyone who's fetishized my autosexuality personally, and I haven't, you know, discovered any autosexual fetish group. There's only, like, autosexual identities group, and yeah, we might discuss sexual things in there, but it's not like a, we don't consider it a fetish, so we're not, I'm not aware of other people fetishizing us either. When you were growing up and starting to feel that you were different to your peers and then you started to research it and then you started to write these columns about autosexuality. What are for people that are listening that say or think, "Mm, something here feels like it's familiar. What are those real telltale signs that you may be autosexual? The first hallmark of being autosexual is being attracted to yourself sexually So I would do something to explore your feelings towards yourself, like maybe journal them or maybe just sit down and think deeply and go through the different things you feel about yourself that come up at different moments and assess them like, what does this mean? Because the thing is, us autosexuals, we think of ourselves as our crushes or like, you know, our own fiancés or our own spouses and you know it's it's the feelings that really like define autosexuality and autoromanticism because you could feel one and not the other or you could feel both and the only person that can really tell you that is you so if you think you're autosexual or autoromantic I would suggest like I said doing something to explore those feelings like journaling or Maybe taking photos of yourself and seeing how you feel about them. Mm. Or maybe if it's been on your mind, try masturbating to yourself and see how you like it. You know, maybe take thirst photos of yourself and then look at them and see what feelings comes up. Like there's many, many ways you can test your own autosexuality and autoromanticism. And I encourage you to explore that and get creative with it and see what ways come up for you that resonate with you. Mm. I really appreciate your honesty. I know this is somewhat taboo still. Lots of people don't understand it. I myself hadn't heard about it. And I really appreciate your honesty and courage sharing so openly with us today. Our final question for everyone on the deep is the same. Who are you when no one's watching? I am here. Mm. I love it. That was beautiful. (laughs) Gia, thank you so much for being with us on The Deep today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.